0: Hello, my name is Rich Beyer and uh, I've been coming to Seacoast for the last 15 to 20 years. I'm very fortunate to be the president of a mid-sized company in San Diego and get to share and interact with people daily. Being in the position that I'm in, I have the opportunity to embrace a lot of people, to um, help them in many ways that they may not be able to help themselves, either financially or or just encouraging them. Um, and just being an example of a godly person. How does it look for me to be a missionary in my line of work? I'm not so sure I see myself as a missionary but I absolutely see myself as an ambassador for Christ and being ambassador for Christ does not threaten people that they have to change or they have to do anything. It's basically living by example. Every day I want to be an example of of Christ and live like Christ, act like Christ and through my example I'm hoping that other people can come to Christ as well. I feel that uh, Dale and Ryan have just taken this message of going to the next level, and the, the whole idea that it's not our job to change people, it's God's job, it's encouraging and it also is uplifting to be a part of that, and I'm just really glad that I get to do it.
1: Hi, my name is Reiko. I'm a junior at SDA, um, and I play drums here sometimes on Sundays, and my everyday mission field is my high school. One cool thing about our school is it's all about community. Um, that's why I like going to that school. So over this past year, um, I've been trying to start uh, not a club, but like a movement of what the um, Christian, I guess, should be as far as not just preaching, but being the hands and feet of God as serving our school, loving on each other and like loving on the school and the community and just being a a servant to our student body. So the idea was that um, the club not meet just like with itself, but that we would uh, spread throughout all different groups um, and just be serving everyone, um, not just ourselves, but um, being an influence to all different groups. It's kind of been a messy process and uh, hasn't always gone the way it was supposed to, but God can still work through that even though my plans didn't work. I used to think that I had to go pretty far to or do something really big or radical um, to have a story or have um, a part in, I guess, God's story, but I realized over the past few years that I guess my mission field is the influences and in people in my everyday life whether that's people I see at school or people I see just crossing paths uh, during the day or my dance team or my friends and family um, and that I have an influence on those people and so every day I'm like being a missionary for Christ.
2: Good morning. Oh, come on now. Good morning. Yeah, isn't it great that it's raining? Oh, come on. All right, so we pray for rain, it rains and then we complain, right? There we go. Well, welcome to Seacoast. My name is Pastor Dale. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 today as we continue our series called Go, God's call for ordinary people in everyday life. Love it that you're here. I love it that God teaches us every week from his wisdom. So pray with me. We always need his help. Amen. Yeah. Pray. Father God, thanks so much for your word. Thanks for the wisdom it's teaching us, especially about how we try to engage our culture, how we try to engage our world, how we try to to be the people that you have called us to be as followers of Jesus. Uh, Father, I know I have a lot to learn in this area, so I just pray that as we move into another passage today that you continue to build our our our, our clarity of how we, how we think, what we believe, and how we live. So thank you. Thank you for another great Go passage, and I just ask you to teach us, shape us, mold us, start with me, work on me, and uh, maybe it will help somebody else too. So do that in Christ's name. Amen. So, in the series Go, where have we been? Let me answer that real quick for you. We started with the greatest Go passage probably in the Bible, and that would be Matthew chapter 28. Uh, The nickname is the Great Commission. The commission that Jesus left to his church that we are to, as we go, make disciples of all nations. And he talked about that in Matthew 28 as our grand calling. We talked about in Matthew 28 that, you know, it's not so much that God created. Uh, a mission so the church would have something to do but god has a mission and then he's created the church to engage in his mission we talked about our identity as we do that we've used words like ambassador in fact rich picked up on that in his story what those two great stories i loved hearing here's a guy who owns a company here's a, a an 11th grade student at sda and how they're both going into their world that's exactly what this series is about Rich mentioned the idea that we are to be ambassadors, 2 Corinthians 5. says we are to think of ourselves as royal representatives of Jesus Christ from a different kingdom sent to earth as Jesus was sent to earth to represent him, to represent his kingdom, his values, his message. We talked about that message and the heart of it being that God is a go-God. He is a God who went and sent and came from heaven to earth to give us life died on the cross for us, rose from the dead to prove that he was the real thing. We talked about as we go, uh, how is it that we do that in today's world? And and we've used, uh, in the last three weeks, three different concepts. Here they are. Number one, be you. We looked at 2 Corinthians 2.10, that God has uniquely shaped you to go and engage in your world with works and with good works that flow out of who you are. Some people are extroverts. Other people are introverts. You have a different personality than I do. That's okay. That's good. And we go the way we are shaped by God. God wants to use us in our everyday world, in our everyday life, the way that we're shaped. So be you. I love Rako's story in the sense that she just needs to be who she is and bring that into her world. Be you. Number two, be salt. Salt began to raise the image that we've got to be a little different. Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. You're you're what the earth needs. So make sure that you're salty, living salty lifestyles that are different because we have a different kingdom with different values. So as we live out the values of the kingdom of God, we are salt, and and we salt the earth, which means we don't just hang out together as a church as the people of God, but we've got to get the salt out of the Seacoast Shaker and in contact with the world. So we've got to increase not just how we're different, we've got to increase our engagement. Remember, radically different, radical engagement. We'll come back to that diagram later. We talked about being light. Ryan did a great job last week reminding us that it's Jesus who's the light of the world, but now with Him living in us, living through us, He says, now you go, you be the light of the world. And as we left off, it's going to set me up for today. Because the last thing Ryan taught us was verse 16 of Matthew 5. And it says this. Hopefully you have it memorized. If you don't, let me give it to you. Matthew chapter 5:16. Jesus says this to you and to me. He says, you are the light of the world. Period. You can be bright or dim. But you don't have a choice. You are my plan for my mission. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and then glorify your Father in heaven. Here's the question. The question this morning is, how do we bridge that gap? How do we better bridge the gap between people seeing how God is working in our lives, through our lives, how He sees us hopefully be different, love differently, and as people experience the love of Christ, as they experience those good works, it says they're supposed to end up glorifying God in heaven. Now, I know in my case, there's, there's, got, there's a missing piece there. Because when people see our good works, for them to end up glorifying God, there's got to be a conversation. There's got to be a little bit of a God conversation in which they begin to understand why I do what I do why we as a church do what we do so how do you have that god conversation in a world that doesn't want to talk about our faith you see I think when you think of the concept of church as I understand our culture spirituality is on the rise we live in an area here in Encinitas in which spirituality is very popular okay everyone wants a little connection with creation and god or something in some form so spirituality is 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 somewhat on the rise but yet church or anything related to quote church is not a good memory it's not a good conversation for most people outside of the church even the concept of christianity or church for many people is a is a bad memory if I were to ask you even, and we're kind of people that have bought in to some degree, you're here at least showing me that you're at least curious to learn today more about this person named Jesus and about our faith. So to some degree, you've chosen to be here and or you've chosen to follow Christ. So we're even there. But, but when I were to ask you, what's your experience with church? On a scale of one to ten, when you hear someone talk about church, whatever church you grew up in in your past, Seacoast or any other place, On a scale of 1 to 10, what was the experience? 10 being, wow, most awesome highlight of my week. Couldn't wait to be there, right? Okay, was that your experience? Maybe 5 becomes a little bit like, well, you know, I went, but to be blunt, I was bored. Maybe a 1 or a 2 is that when I think church, I get angry. I got bad memories because the church was not there for me. Or even worse, the church wounded me. Because we've had all kinds of different experiences. If you were to pick a number from 1 to 10 as to your past, not your current, hopefully, hopefully it's a pretty good mark right now, but your past growing up, what was your experience with this thing called church? What would it be? Any numbers? A 2, a 10. A two and a ten sitting next to each other. You should talk to each other. That's good. But see, that illustrates a six. Someone said a six, huh? A six. A seven. Anyone over here? Any one, two, or threes? There's one, yeah. Anybody got an eight, nine, or ten? A couple of those, yeah. You know, so it's all over the place. So, how do we have this conversation in our culture in which talking about Christianity or church often is not a real popular topic. How do we take it beyond their past memories? How do we take it beyond religion being defined as rules, between faith being defined as what causes fights and culture wars and and wars, literal wars, if not culture wars? See, how how do we bring Jesus back into the conversation? Because today, we're going to go beyond being salt, beyond being light, to trying to fill in the gap with people so they begin to understand, wow, your God is pretty pretty interesting. Now that's unique. How do we begin to do that? One of my favorite passages, Second Peter chapter 2. All right, let's listen to the Word of God. Here we go. Engage with the Word of God. Number one, here we go. Pick it up in verse nine. Verse nine says this: First Peter, excuse me. First Peter, chapter two, verse nine. I say Second Peter. Yeah, First Peter two nine says, "But you are." Let me stop right there. But you are. So he's in contrast already to something that's come before, right? This is not you know you know other people are this, but you are different. And and to to kind of set the context, you've got to jump back up, especially to verse 7 up above. Because in verse 7 he says this. He says this precious value. He's talking about uh, having this relationship with Jesus. And he says this precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve. For those who disbelieve they stumble because they are disobedient to the word and and to this doom they were appointed. In other words, what he's saying is this is not really for everyone unless you have come to faith. He says if if you've believed this is true, but 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 there are many people who have not believed yet, have not put their trust in Christ, and, and they don't have a real bright future. And then he begins verse 9 with the contrast, but you. But those of you who have believed This is what's true of you. Now, here's the list. You are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You're a people for God's own possession. So that you may proclaim, underline the word, proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now... You are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Pull up right there in verse 10. See, what he's saying is this, and i want to show you several good news items when we talk about why we should go and not just do good works, but actually begin to proclaim what makes us different, where those works come from. And, and, and what I want to see is this. There's three big truths in these two short verses, here they are. Number one, you go because the good news, the gospel, which in essence means good news, the good news of Christ gives you a new identity. You are a new person. The good news of Christ gives you a new community. You belong to something different than you've ever belonged to. And then the good news of Jesus Christ calls you to actually proclaim jesus so let me back up and take those apart one at a time number one what do we see in this passage that tells me the good news is in christ you have a new identity it's another way of saying it is you are a new person in second corinthians chapter five that we studied a few weeks ago he used the phrase that if any man is in christ meaning if you've placed faith in jesus christ as your savior then you are a new creation says, old things have passed away, behold, all things become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, write it down. You're a new creation. You're a new person in Colossians. In Colossians, it uses that metaphor. It says, the old man has passed away, and you are now a new person in Christ. You're a, you're a new individual, a new life. Jesus hinted at this in uh, his conversation with Nicodemus. When he was on the earth and Jesus had that conversation with a highly religious man that was still outside of the family of God and didn't know God yet. And and he says, Nicodemus, what you need is you need a spiritual birth. He says, you are spiritually dead. You need, you need spiritual life. In other words, you need to kind of be born a second time or born again. Or it could be translated in the Greek, born anew. You need a spiritual birth to go with your physical birth. You know, your body's walking around, but you are, in essence, the walking dead, okay? In that you are, I'm talking zombies here, I'm talking you are walking spiritually dead until you come to Christ and you come alive. We saw that in Ephesians chapter 2 a couple weeks ago. So you are a new creation, a new person. You are born anew, born again. You have a new DNA. You are a new person in Christ. Now, how radically new are you? I just want to highlight the terms out of verses 9 and 10. Here they are. Notice it again. He says you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You are chosen, you are royal, you are a holy nation, the word holy, you are a people for God's possession, you actually belong to God, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into light, you're now in the light, uh, so that You were once not a people, now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, now you've received mercy. So you've received mercy. That's a great list. That now, every single day, as a follower of Jesus, when I get out of bed, these things are true of me, not because of my performance, not because of what I do, but because of who I am in Christ. In other words, these are gifts of grace. These are things that become true of me the moment I put my faith in Christ no matter how immature I am in my faith. In other words, another way to say it is, on the very best week of my life, when I'm doing everything that I know God wants me to do, and Becky loves me, and she's happy, because I'm being an incredible husband, an incredible father, grandfather, I'm being a great pastor, I'm reading my Bible, I'm doing. when I'm having a really, really good week, these are true of me, but here's what's really cool when i'm having the worst spiritual week of my life and i don't want to imagine what that is but i am perhaps a little ticked off at god and i'm not doing the things i need to do to nurture my soul and i'm sleeping in on sunday morning and i'm the pastor (laughs) but i know Ryan's speaking so i can do that so i'm blowing off church i'm sleeping in i'm just and, and, and i'm and i'm just Angry with God. Maybe I don't like the fact that my grandson got sick a few weeks ago. remember a couple weeks ago I asked you to pray for Caleb. By the way, he's home and doing much better. But remember I told you two weeks ago, the good news is he has pneumonia. And when when pneumonia is good news, then the other stuff is a lot worse. Uh, we prayed. Uh, he got the other stuff. It went into a very scary Uh, syndrome that can even be life-threatening now good news is the reason i'm smiling 12 days later 14 days later is um after almost two weeks at rady's children's hospital and a lot of good care and a lot of good prayer uh that uh did not spread beyond his mouth and throat and He's still recovering. In fact, his lips got so bad. Here's a funny thing. Now, now we can laugh about it. If you talk to him, Caleb, he's age eight. And and he said, hey, you know, I'm getting new lips. And and, and it's kind of like he lost his lips because he pretty much did. So now he's kind of getting new lips. So he's still recovering. So you can pray for him. But, you know, what if I'm really angry with God? God, I asked you to do this, and you said, Dale, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Dale, I'm going to let him get this disease. Dale, I'm going to let him really suffer. I'm going to let him have the kind of pain that he'll probably, hopefully, never have again in his life. So, you know, life, for whatever reason, I'm having a bad week. And if I'm having a really bad week, I am still a chosen child of God, a royal priest, a holy nation. I am, I am chosen, kingly, royal priest holy i belong to god i am in the light not darkness i am part of the people of god not outside but inside and i receive mercy every day of my life because my sins are forgiven see these never change and the reason i wanted to start the passage here is because i believe if we don't live with that constant awareness of how awesome the gospel is that it makes me a new person and it secures the love of God and it puts me in the family of God and and I I am all these things and I'm all these things by grace, not because I earned them, then I will not get excited about proclaiming anything because it it, it reduces Christianity to a religion of just good works and self-improvement and that's not worth sharing with a dying world but if i understand i have a whole new identity in christ then i get excited therefore we showed you this diagram a few weeks ago i put it on the top of your outline today to keep it fresh in your mind that if i'm going to have a go type lifestyle i'm salt i'm light i need a radical difference because i'm not of this world i have a new identity as a follower of jesus this world is not my home heaven is my home this world's kingdom is not my kingdom it's not this world's gods are not my gods i have a new god and a new kingdom and a new world and it's and it's awesome and if i realize that that's where my life is centered then i will be different from the world in a very positive way in a very positive way so i have a new identity in christ jesus put it this way in john 17 verse 16 he says father they referring to you and me his followers they are not of the world even as i'm not of the world that's a wild statement and we kind of get it that jesus is not of this world right because he kind of like was creator okay (laughs) creator lived in heaven came to earth but he says you know father just like i am not really of this world I, i have a i have a different kingdom they as my followers are not of this world So when I realize that, it changes my perspective. But then then he prays, So Father, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. So Father, use the word of God and the people of God and the spirit of God to begin to change my people to be the person that I've made them to be. Make them different from this world. If If there's nothing in our life that shows up different from the culture, which follows other gods, then something's wrong. Make us different. Secondly, we don't just get a new identity, we get a new community. I love this emphasis. Listen to these phrases. There's four of them. There's four community phrases in these two verses. He says, we are a chosen race. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're a people for God's own possession. Now that's four great phrases. In other words, guess what? You got a new race. So when you fill out the little card and it says, What race are you? Okay, I know I know what they're usually asking is like Caucasian or Hispanic or or you, know, or you know black or what you know. The reality is you have a you're part of a whole new race of people. But it's a race that has nothing to do with skin color. It has everything to do with your calling as a follower of Jesus. We're like a whole new race. It's a multicolored race. Isn't that cool? You're a part of a multicolored race of people that, that, that is global in its reach. You're a part of a royal priesthood. Now, this priesthood is not defined by wearing a collar or funny clothes, okay? This is a priesthood that's defined as you are now a part of a body of people that Jesus wants to use to do the work of a priest, meaning to be the intermediary between people and God. That's kind of what the priest did. The priest helped people connect to God. Well, that is what your job is now. You're the bridge between God and people, whether you like it or not. Now, I'm thankful we don't have to dress funny. We don't have to, you know, uh, stay celibate. We don't have to do any of that stuff. Amen? Yeah, I'm glad for that. So, you know, if you grew up in a Catholic background or a different background, to be told that you're actually a priest when you decide to follow Jesus is kind of mind-blowing. But you are. You're a royal, kingly priesthood. You're part of that. You're a holy nation. In other words, now we have a new nation that we are loyal to and belong to. And this nation is not defined by geography on a map. It's a nation without borders. It's global in scale, made up of people who are holy they're set apart they're declared forgiven of their sin by God and they're also living out of that more holy lives so we should be distinctive as a nation you're the holy nation of God and finally he says you once were not a people but now you are the people of God God has chosen you he has pulled you out of this world so that he can now send you back into the world to help accomplish his mission. I just think that's a very cool community to be part of. So when, a lot of times one of the weaknesses of the American culture is we're so individualistic. You know, we're always talking about, it's you know, we, we believe in the individual here in the U.S. So it's about me and God. And so it's really my own personal faith and my personal connection to God. But what this says is it's not just you and God. It's you and God and the people of god and we are you're connected to something bigger than just yourself so what we have now to you know is now as we try to be radically different you're not of this world because you have a new identity in christ under his grace you have a new community that you belong to so that means as we talk about trying to impact our world it's no longer just every one of you need to go out there and do it it adds a new element. It means that our 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 touch on the world, uh, to go back to the diagram, is that new identity and new community tells me that going is not just a you thing, it's an us thing. It's something you do individually as you enter in your individual worlds, wherever God's placed you, but it's also something that we can partner and do as a church because there's things we can do to impact the world for Jesus Christ together that we could never do effectively individually does that make sense so you're now invited into that process i don't want to go into a lot of detail but i love the fact that we as a church are trying to connect to our city we started an initiative a year ago called love encinitas and that's not doesn't mean that we don't care about carlsbad and del mar and oceanside and everything else but but we're focused first on our city this is where this 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 church Well, the church is the people, so we're spread out. But this is where we gather on Sunday mornings. It's not these buildings. These buildings are not the church. You are the church. And you're scattered throughout the week. But Encinitas is our home base. So we have talked to city leaders. We've talked to uh, the police. We have talked to uh, uh, leaders in our schools. And we've said, you know something, we've got a new idea. We would just like to love Encinitas. How can we help you? What are some needs in the city that we can help meet? And we are beginning to engage in those needs, and, there's, and, and it's growing. It started with Sunset High School, and there's one, two, three, four, five things coming up that we're going to be doing to love on students and faculty at Sunset High School. We need your help to do that. We want to branch out this year and begin to, to network and reach out to elementary schools. We were in a staff meeting recently uh, and a brainstorming time with our elders, and someone brought up the idea, maybe we're thinking too small. Shouldn't we try to to love on every neighborhood in in Encinitas? We should have the loving presence of Jesus Christ via Seacoast people plopped into every neighborhood in Encinitas, because this is our city. And and as we thought about that, we said, yeah, let's do that. Well, how do we even define that? And, And someone said, well, you know, you can pretty much define Encinitas by elementary schools because pretty much they place elementary schools where most kids have a short walk or a short drive there and and you build the community around your local elementary school right so here's the deal we're going to start with the one closest to us but our goal and vision is that we begin to have a loving for the sake of jesus christ we want to love on every elementary school in encinitas that may take us a couple years to get there but that's the vision And through that, to love on every family and begin to touch neighborhoods and to do other acts of compassion and kindness in neighborhoods, in every single neighborhood. We want to come to your neighborhood and show the love of Christ to your neighbors. So you be thinking about that. Because you're going to be in charge. (laughs) I left that out, didn't I? Yeah. So you're going to be in charge of your neighborhood, but we're going to come and help you. At least that's the goal that's the goal so there's uh there's there's an upcoming uh uh work day that we're going to do at ocean Knoll, for example the elementary school closest to us we're organizing uh tutors for ocean Knoll. we're doing things to reach out and build and 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 other things we recently reached out to the sheriff's department encinitas uh, police force because we realized back in january that uh, you know police are getting hammered all around the country this is not a good time to be in law enforcement and you got a lot of good men and women who are trying to serve the community. And what we did was we put together kind of a love package and and gave it to every single member of the 67 employees of the Encinitas Police Force. We did that in the name of Seacoast Church just to say, we know that your job is tough and we appreciate you. So this, these are the kinds of things that we want to begin to unleash you as individual Christians, but also this is where this gets cool because we are a community. Now, we can do these things together as well. Some things we can do as individuals, others we can do together. So I really encourage you to not throw this thing away, tuck it away, go home, pray about it, look it over, pick one of these projects. And if you say, you know, I could help with that, then email uh, Pastor Jonathan here at the church. His number is not on there, I don't think, but he'll get it. Email us here at the church or drop it in next week and see where God could use you. What's the goal? Well, the goal is for us to have a new identity with a new community. Then Jesus says, what kind of community should that be? And he defines it with this verse. And I want to read it out loud. So would you read it with me? Here we go. I'll put it on the screen. Let's go. A new commandment I give unto you, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So what Jesus is saying is now, we're building this paradigm, is we need to wake up every day realizing I got a new identity in Christ, I belong to a new community in Christ, and I have a new love that I exhibit within that community. And it begins not just with loving on the world, but loving internally. The way we love one another, the way we forgive one another when we mess up the way we communicate uh, the love of Christ by caring for one another. But he says, let the world see you do that and they will begin to pay more attention to what you believe. It starts with a new love and a new community with people living out of a whole new grace-based identity in Jesus. And then it spills over. Let me give you a couple more verses. John 17, 23. Jesus prays for us, the church, and he says, Uh, Father, keep them in unity or love so that the world may know that you sent me. Jesus says the final proof to the world that what we believe is real is often not the fancy arguments for the faith. It's whether or not they see us actually loving one another. And he's talking here not just about within Seacoast, but toward other churches, other followers of Christ which is why we try as a church to network with other churches. You'll never hear us get up and try to bash other churches. We may disagree on minor things, but if we agree on Jesus and the fact that by His grace we have life, then we have enough to agree on to work together and try to seek to be the church in Encinitas, the church in North County as where God's placed us. John 17, 18, Jesus adds this. He says, and Father you sent me into the world, I also now send them into the world. So this church that's supposed to be radically different, and we've got to balance out my diagram, okay, needs to also now realize Jesus has said, you're not of this world, so be different in a positive way, in the way you identify with Christ, live in community, and love one another, but now have a radical engagement with the world. And that leads us to the third step in this thing. That in Christ, we have good news that we can be different. You have a new identity in Christ, the the, the good news of his grace. You have a new community in Christ, the good news of being connected to a family, which we call the family of God. But then thirdly, he says, therefore, in Christ now, share the excellent news. Proclaim it to, to the world. And he uses this word proclaim, which means we now need to go out as salt and light Realizing that our mission is to proclaim, and I love this phrase. He says, proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. Now, who's he talking about? Who called you out of darkness? Answer, it's Christ. Okay, so God has called you out of darkness. Christ has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And he just says, look, proclaim the excellencies of God. Now, when I read that this week, I thought, you know, what it says is my message needs to focus on Jesus. See, I think a lot of times in our in our culture, we have made the mistake of allowing the debate with the world to focus on the church. And the problem is when you do that, you lose. You lose because the church has so many flaws and, and will never be perfect. And, and no organization is perfect for that matter. But yet... As much as we want to be different and love differently, we're always going to still make mistakes. But he says, he doesn't say proclaim the excellencies of the church. He says proclaim the excellencies of him. And and, and the beauty and simplicity of that is this. I really believe if we focus on proclaiming what is excellent about Jesus, what is excellent about grace, what is excellent about the truth, what is excellent about our life in Christ, I think the world will listen. But we've got to keep the conversation on Jesus first. As I was looking at this passage, the final thing I want to show you this morning is, um, it, I think it, it hints at four universal questions that the good news of Jesus addresses. And and they're important enough, I knew I'd be hurried, so I actually typed them out for you in your outline. I gave you the question, but now let me show you where the answer is in these two short verses. Number one, these are questions I think the world wants to discuss. I think people in the world, as much as they're down on Christianity at times or down on the church, they still are interested in God. And the question is, can I really know God? Who is God and can I know Him? And he says, proclaim the excellencies of jesus you see that jesus christ is god he proclaimed that he was god he proved that he was god by rising from the dead the resurrection of christ proves this so people say well how do you how how can you be so sure that jesus is the real thing and we just need to be open to talk about the fact that hey guess what i really think i've discovered the truth about god I love the uh, 1 Corinthians four passage that I think Ryan touched on in one of the sermons that says that we are called to be stewards of the mysteries of God. Wow. Just to think that you have been entrusted with the answer to the God question. Who is God and can you know him? And the answer is Jesus Christ came to show us God in the flesh and uh, point to jesus and they say well i don't believe in your jesus say well you know that's okay i love you that's so that's all right but i'm just telling you for me when i try to answer the question uh can i know god and who is god man jesus really makes sense when was the last time you told someone that when it comes to understanding god that you're excited that you've discovered the truth about god and stay focused not on the sublines but the the main issue the main the main thing in terms of Jesus secondly he says where is their wisdom for life i think people want truth they're looking for a little bit of light you know it says we live in darkness and it says jesus has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light i think we live in the marvelous light of truth and the scriptures And I think that's really cool. So I I think a lot of times you're in environments every week where someone begins to complain about life. Someone begins to wish, man, I really wish someone could help me understand how to have a good marriage, or how to have this, or how to have that. Or, man, I just get so stressed over money. Or, I mean, you could fill in the blank, right? All these things. And are you willing to just say, wow, you know, I've really struggled with that too. And what I'm finding is I found the best place that I go for my truth is the scriptures i i I think that god has actually delivered truth wow so there's some truth out there talk about it um last sunday i listened to ryan talk about being light and on the way home i get a text message from my wife who's home with a couple sick grandkids and literally on the way home from church she says can you stop at albertson's and get some uh uh children's uh tylenol or something so so i'm getting you know i'm getting some children's cough stuff and all this some, some i got to restock our our medicine cabinet so so I'm, I'm doing that i'm going through the checkout line at albertson's and i and i just found myself sandwiched between a man and a woman in front of me and one behind me and the checkout guy named alberto and as we're going through the line the couple in front of me begin to argue with each other They begin to get in a pretty heated argument, and it's over a very important issue. It's over, he's going home to make his recipe of chili. He has two cans of beans, and she's convinced it's not enough. And she says, I don't think you can make your chili with two cans of beans. You need to go get another can of beans. Now, this is a very important issue. And he's kind of like, oh, you know something? It's my recipe. And they're going at it. And I'm just kind of listening. I'm just kind of standing there with my children's Tylenol. And, um, and all of a sudden he says, all right, you have it your way. So he walks off to get another can of beans, which was a wise move for most men. <laughs> as soon as he gets out of earshot, she looks at me and she says, you know, I don't care if he gets mad or not because I don't have to worry about it anymore because we're not even married. And that... So if he doesn't like it, he can leave. I said, oh, okay. (laughs) And, And she says, you know, she says, I tried marriage twice and it was bad both times. And we've been living together for a couple years, you know, but you know something, I'm just done with marriage. And about that time he shows with his, up with his beans and he says, you know something, I've been married twice and I'm done with marriage. And then Alberto, the checkout guy, chimes in and he says, I've been married twice and I'll never do it again. So I'm, I'm surrounded, okay? So, so, you know, so I'm sitting there thinking, you know. So finally I just thought, okay, be light. So I said, you know something, I said, because they're looking at me. What do you think? <laughs> and I said, do they really want to know? So, so they look at me and I said um, something like this. I said, you know something? Marriage is tough. And I, I, I understand that. i gotta, I got to tell you, though. I said, I just celebrated my 40th anniversary. And I love marriage. I love marriage. Yeah. Now, before you clap for that, okay, don't clap for that yet. Okay. I said, you know, I said, but you know something? It's tough. And I said, I, 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 get, I get your frustration because you've had some painful deals, but I just I, I got to vote up on marriage. And, um, and then I said something like this I, I said, I think the thing that made a difference for me was very, very young in life, before I was ever married, um, a man began to teach me that my faith, in christ really can make a difference in my marriage and that's probably the only reason i'm not divorced today and they're like okay but you know they didn't get offended by that in fact the gal actually said you know that's interesting and then I told him, actually, I said I actually wrote a book on marriage. <laughs> I said I got I got to come clean, okay? And and she said, really? What's the title of the book? So I gave her the title of the book. I said you can go on Amazon and buy it. And she said I will. And I said let me tell you something else. If you if you want to talk further about this this whole marriage thing, I said I, I work at a church down the road uh, called Seacoast, and it's one of the things that we care about is trying to help people have. What is incredibly hard to do? Help people have good marriages. So if you ever want some help, it's free of charge. Just you know, look me up, and that's where you can find me. And she said, "I got to go make chili." <laughs> so they're out the door. So you know, but well, you know, here's the deal: when someone starts gripe, you know griping about marriage and blah blah blah, do you have some hope to offer them? So you've been called out of darkness into the light. Share a little bit of light. Do it with humility. Do it with gentleness. Do it with empathy. Don't do it in a judgmental, I'm better than you tone. They don't need that. But for heaven's sakes, they need people that will just talk about Jesus, talk about how cool it is to be in the light instead of the darkness, talk about how cool it is to have mercy and forgiveness whenever you wonder about your guilt, talk about how cool it is to know that, wow, you know, there's there's this place called the people of God where people actually care about people. Share with them when they wonder, does anybody else really care? Does anybody really love? Say, wow, tell, tell stories about how your friends who know Christ love you through a tough time. See, I love to brag and tell other people about how many of you showed up to to love and pray and make meals and, and stuff like that for my family when Caleb was in the hospital for four, 12 days. You know, my grandson was sick. You know, So all of you have stories. Tell your stories about Jesus, about how truth is helping you, about how you still sin. Well, we all are there. And it's kind of cool to know you have forgiveness and how cool it is to be a part of a faith community that's helping you walk through life. I think that's how we put the conversation between our good works and when people hopefully begin to say, wow, your God is different. Pray with me. Father God, thank you for the challenge you give us to not just do good works, but to begin to talk Jesus, to begin to talk about our faith, to begin to proclaim the excellencies of him who's called us out of darkness into His marvelous light, who took us from not being a people and made us the people of God, who took us from not receiving mercy to having received mercy and forgiveness and grace. Those are great things to talk about. Give us the courage